Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Well, good morning, everybody, and Merry Christmas. It's the week to say it, isn't it? <clears throat> so here's where you would say Merry Christmas. I don't think you mean it, but uh, I do. Hey, I hope you all have a wonderful week in front of you. Hey, I want to add a quick word uh, to what Ronnie just said there. Hey, if there's any area in your life right now you're thinking, man, I need something to be different here. I I need something to change right here. I think the way we are kicking off 2023 here at the Heights is going to give you an opportunity to see that. We have one of the biggest openings of a year I think we've ever had here at the Heights. And no, we did not plan that. That was not the goal or desire. It's just these little pieces kind of came together separately. And here here we are all of a sudden. We've got the the Bible reading plan. uh, And whatever God's going to speak into your life, he's going to speak through your word. So we got the Bible reading plan. We've got 21 days of prayer that will be going on in January. We have a special prayer service the last Sunday of January, and uh, I'm going to be doing a sermon series. It's just, it's called Help. Help, Lord. (laughs) So that's what we're going to be looking at, and I I think there's just some some great opportunities. I I know nothing exists till we get past Christmas, but uh, maybe just kind of log that in the back of your mind and start praying. Hey, hey God, maybe I I need to be involved in that. Could this be what you're going to use? It's going to be an exciting time. So uh, we've got we've got Christmas though in front of us. Man, did y'all see the weather forecast like three days ago? Like snowmageddon, I, like snow before Christmas, 45 days in a row after Christmas. I mean, it was just crazy. And of course, that fell apart. Uh, but there is still some snow. It looks like it's going to be early Friday morning and it's going to be warm that day. We don't anticipate that's going to be an impact on uh, anything we're doing. If if something changes and that gets worse, just keep watching the website and our social media. We will provide something no matter what happens. But our plan right now is our plan. Two and four on Saturday, online on on Sunday morning. So also real quickly, our uh, tr- uh, the Christmas tree that we did last week, our production, uh, that's going to go, uh, what's the correct terminology, going to go live? <laughs> We're going to put that link up uh, this afternoon, so if that's something you want to be able to watch again or share with somebody else, or maybe you just want it playing in the background as you go through uh, your Christmas week getting things ready, uh, that's going to be available to you uh, all this coming all this coming week. Well, we've got a big week in front of us, so let's take a breath and let's say a prayer, okay? Father, I just come before you on behalf of uh, myself, my family, everybody in this room, everybody watching online, and Lord, I pray a good week ahead. I pray, Lord, for health uh, I pray for safety and travel. I pray that weather is not going to be a hindrance to travel. Uh, Lord, I pray we have good opportunities to, to share life and to share the celebration of Christ. Uh, we have good opportunities to share that with friends. We have good opportunities to share that with family. Um, Lord, as we get excited about maybe vacations and family gatherings in this week, I I'm sure in more than a few of our homes, uh, there's also a conversation how we're going to manage a certain person or how we're going to deal with a certain issue. 
Lord, fill us with just a real spirit of being peacemakers. Lord, I know you love the peacemaker. I know you are the prince of peace. And in our celebration of you, may we be uh, very intentional everywhere we go, how we speak peace, how we speak life and hope and the love of Christ. Lord, I pray it's, it's going to be a good week for everybody in here, a, a good Christmas weekend for everybody. And uh, Lord, I pray for each of us that we are a, a vessel, a servant unto you. I, I think of your servant Mary when you sent Gabriel to her with the news that she would carry the Christ child, and it's just however you want to use me, Lord. Boy, would that be our mindset as we go into this week. And again, Lord, I just pray a wonderful Christmas, good memories, and that you would protect us from too much tension, too much conflict, and, and, and too much uh, just out-of-control things, Lord. We need your help in that. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So uh, it's Christmas. We want to be agreeable, right? So I think we can all agree that it's good to not use our body for evil. Can we get pretty much total agreement? <clears throat> with that, yeah. As a matter of fact, I would assume even everybody outside the church would agree with that. It's good to not use my body for evil. Now, we might have just a smidge of disagreement on how evil's defined, right? As a matter of fact, we would have not only disagreement out there, we may even have some in here on what goes into the evil column. But we, we're not going there today. We're just going to say, hey, it's good to not use our body for evil. But do you realize that when you and I have not, however we're defining it, when I have not used my body for evil, that doesn't actually yet mean I've used my body for good. Not being evil, not doing evil, not doing what they do, still far falls a mile short of the Christmas command. That command, the goal is not to not do something. The goal is to not be like them. The goal is to be so much like Christ. Not just doing things that Christ does, but actually having the same mind, the same attitude about all that. Let's understand what that is. Would you turn with me today to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to be in verses 5 through 8. And if you are new to our church or maybe haven't been here for several weeks, this is actually our third Sunday in this very short passage. Uh, and I am calling it the most Christmas of all Christmas passages. Let's, let's see if we can uh, find out what makes it Christmas. Now, the first verse I'm going to read is what I'm calling the Christmas command. And it says this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Your, your translation may say you must have the mind of Christ. What's the mind of Christ? The same thought, the same attitude that he did, to which we would ask, well, when? Like, like when you say have the same attitude as Christ, are you pointing to anything in particular? And this passage is going to say, yes, I'm pointing to Christmas Day. You and I would call it Christmas Day. Theology might call it the incarnation. But it's, it's what is going on as Jesus transfers from the glory of God into the womb of Mary into the manger. And we see that in verse 6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. 
Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. So what's, what, what are we celebrating at Christmas? God coming to us, Jesus coming to us. And what does that mean? He put on a body. And, that, and that's what we see happening right here. That's why this is a Christmas passage. He's putting on a body. When he appeared in human form, second time. I mean, there's a real emphasis here to Jesus getting this body. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God And he died a criminal's death on a cross. Now, I said this is the most Christmas passage, yet there's no star, no manger, no angels, no shepherds. There's not even a Mary and a Joseph here. How's this Christmas? You know, if you think about it, when we look at Christmas passages, Matthew 1 and 2, Luke 1 and 2, they're telling us a lot about what is going on around Jesus. And that's important, right? It's what's going on around Jesus that helps us identify him, that helps us clarify who this is. Not just any baby. It's not even just an important baby. When I look at what's going on around Jesus, I see, boy, this is, well, this is the son of God. But what this passage is talking about is what is going on in him, and it is what is going on in him that gives us the Christmas command. Have the same attitude Jesus had that day. And how, how would we define that attitude? I mean, a couple of words I hear here, I think, is certainly humble, right? I mean, th- th- this is the glory of God. Jesus should enter this world with profound pageantry, uh, with great pomp and circumstance, with big. I mean, that's how we do it in America, right? Big, big, big. That's how we should see Jesus entering. And yet, yet he came as a baby. That, that in itself is the thing is that the very power of God, and he had to be picked up. He, he had to be carried. He had to have his nose wiped. I mean, that, that's humbling. He, he put on humility, and we could continue to define all that went on in his humbling here. Selfless would be a word, right? He's not getting this body for what it's going to do for him. He's not getting this body for, hey, now that I've got this body, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take advantage of this. I'm going to be able to do this. He took on this body to obey the Father and to serve you. Well, you know, serve is not really the word used here, is it? What is it? Died. He took on this body to die for you. That's pretty selfless, isn't it? He's certainly not thinking of what comes to him because he puts on this body. So you and I, in that picture right there, God is saying, have that same attitude. Think that same way. About what, Lord? About, about your body. Well, we certainly live in a culture right now where almost every day the entire conversation is about our body. And, and does the scripture guide us, help us how we're to work through this, think through this? Who would think? Who would know? It's actually Christmas Day that helps us think. And work through and navigate this. So I'm to have the same attitude as Jesus with my body. You know, I know a lot of us in here, we're going to say, oh, I, you know, I've, I've given my life to Christ, right? And that means I've given my, my body, I've given all, all of me to Jesus. There's something about saying that, though. Leaving that phrase up there high in the sky, it doesn't really, doesn't really make me act. 
There's nothing I really need to do because I say I've given my life to Christ. I think this is a place where we need to, to take the whole and break it down into its parts. And then, then that really gives me, hey, when I say I've given my life to Christ, my, my body belongs to him, where am I doing that? Where, where am I actually living that? And so today what we're going to do is we're going to think about the parts. We're going to break down the parts of our body and see this week, not one day, this week, the next seven days, gifts we can put together for Jesus. It's, it's his birthday, right? A little cliche-ish, but let's go with it. It's his birthday, so what kind of gift? How about we give him the gift of our feet? They belong to him. What would it look like to give him a gift of our feet? Revelation, Revelation, Romans, they both begin with R. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who do what? Preach. Have your feet ever talked? Mine haven't. They've smelled, but they've never talked, right? Another cheap joke there. Uh, why does that Why does that not say how beautiful is the mouth, how beautiful is the voice, how beautiful is the tongue? Why does it say feet? You know, I thought about that this week. What, what, here's why. Because my feet, before my mouth is engaged, my feet have to move. And I have to carry that gospel to someone, right? Now, I imagine some of us have had the experience where somebody has come to you and said, could you tell me how to have a relationship with Christ? I don't know how many times that's happened to you. Probably no real surprise here. As a pastor, I get that a good bit. I don't have to lift a finger. I don't have to move a toe. I don't have to move a foot. I don't have to do anything. I can just sit there like a bump on a log and people will arrive to my office and say, hey, can you tell me how I can, I can have this? And I, and, I, and I think when I give the answer, I think God is pleased. But in this particular passage, he's saying, hey, I, I want us to think for a moment about how beautiful it is when you actually get up and you go. Your feet move, you initiate going to them. Going, going across the hallway at work, going down the street at, in the neighborhood, uh, walking over there to that person. You know, that is a gift you can give this week, isn't it? God, I want to initiate. I don't want to wait till they come to me. It sure is easier when they do that, isn't it? But I want to initiate. I want to, I want to go. Show me who I can go to. And, and, you know, folks, going to carry the gospel, sometimes it's in pieces. We, we, a lot of times in our Christian lingo, we refer to that as planting a seed. We can plant the seed of the gospel. Hey, your feet can cross the street this week and say, hey, you want to come to Christmas Eve service with me? That's planting a seed, isn't it? Or if it's snowing, you say, hey, you want to watch online together? But I can initiate. That's a gift I can give God this week. Well, we're thinking about our feet. Kind of the next natural place, I think, is our, our hands, right? You know, with all these body parts, I think we can go to the scripture and we're going to find there's a variety of directions you can go with any one individual part. That would certainly be true of, of our hands. With this, I went with a passage, just good, good solid work with this passage, right? There's the word. Doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with those in need. Do you know you are actually giving a gift to God when you, when you work? 
When, when you go to work and, and make a living, you're, you're giving a gift to God. How's that a gift? Because it's obedience. He says, I want you to work. I don't want you to steal. I want you to provide for a family. I want you to pay your bills. So when I'm working and I'm doing all that, that God is honored by that. That, that is a gift to him. And that's good because that's what most of us do all week long, right? Like, I'm glad I did something right this week, right? Let's we give ourselves a little hand for that. But it goes on to say, hey, not only is that a, a gift to God in obedience, but when you get the product of your hand. Now, it, you know, in this day, that product might have been some carpentry I, I formed and fashioned or maybe something I harvested from the agriculture. Today, the harvest of our hands is, I think we call it a direct deposit, right? It's, it's a paycheck. But that, that paycheck is what gives me the ability to help somebody else. Hey, who can your hands help this week? Can your hands help your church? Can your hands help a neighbor? Maybe you say, hey, God, just open my eyes. Let me see somebody. Nothing's coming to mind, but let me see somebody that I can help with the work of my hands, with the product of my hands. I want my hands to bless somebody this week. That's a good gift, isn't it? Make them cookies product of your hand, blesses somebody, you can bring them to my house if you're looking for somebody to, to bless. Give that gift to, your, your, to God this week. You know, when I pray, God, let me see, well, that brings me to my eyes, okay? Again, various directions we could go with, with this, but look at this one, Psalm 101, verse 2. I think we're going to put up there our eyes any minute now. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. Oh, Lord, I want my eyes. To, you know, think, I want to say a prayer. Think how strange this sounds. I want my eyes to please you. I want my eyes to serve others. Now, as I say that, I think, you know, nothing's coming to mind how my eyes serve others, how my eyes please God. But do you know what? When there are worthless things before me, you know what it does? It, it takes my attention off of what is good. It takes my attention, my focus. It distracts. God, let me see that the, the lusting, the coveting. God, let me see that just the wrong prize before my eyes distracts me from you. And we're pretty easily distracted, aren't we? Yes is the answer. We're very easily distracted. And when we're distracted, guess what we're not doing? Honoring the Lord and, and serving others. You know, I think a gift we can give God this week, we, we, we can, uh, you know, clean the vision up a little bit. Say, hey, God, what is, what's one thing I could remove from my vision that would help me focus a little cleaner, a little clearer on you? I bet we all have one thing. I bet we all have one thing we're continually putting before our eyes that... I bet, I bet there'd be a little sharper focus, a little sharper devotion if, if I removed that one thing. You know, talking about our eyes that way, that sounds very similar to our heart. You know, what, what keeps me in love, what keeps me devoted, what keeps me adoring. Again, now heart's a big body part in, in the scripture, isn't it? I mean, hundreds of verses 
on the heart that we could turn to. And probably, I don't even, I'm guessing here, six, seven, maybe eight different categories or more of, of what we could think about with our heart. So I thought I'd throw a curveball at you on this one and, and go in a direction maybe you didn't anticipate. Psalm 101 verse 2, I will walk with integrity of heart. Where? In my house. Okay, whew, good news. We don't have to show any integrity out in public. Who just inside, right? No, that is the definition of integrity, right? It's, it's being at home alone what I'm presenting out in public. It's that when nobody's watching, I'm true to what I try to give everybody the idea of what I am. You know, let's think about this, not just as people in the world, but as church folk. Because when we come to church, we want to cast an image to each other. Every one of us. Nobody in here is not like this. You, you come in, and I know somebody says, I don't care what anybody thinks. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, but we come into church, and there, you know, there's, just, there's things I want you to think about me. There's things I want you to believe about me. And sometimes you'll even make a comment, and I think, oh, good, they think that about me, even though maybe it's not, not so true. Now, am I going to correct you? No, I'm going to let you think that about, hey, I, I, I want to cast this image that I'm a certain kind of spouse. I'm a certain kind of parent. I want to cast this image that I, you know, I read my Bible and I pray and I'm godly and I make decisions and I don't do that and I don't do that. And I, I, I cast that image. Boy, it's hard. I mean, church is a place, maybe more than anywhere else, where we really want to cast a certain image. You know, go home today. It may take a little bit of work, but I think you'll be surprised what you see. And just write down three, four, five things of what I want my friends at church to think about me. What, what are three, four, five things I hope, I want they think about me? And then look and see, is that what I am at home all week? And maybe a gift we could give this week is just close the gap a little bit. Let's not change the world. We're busy enough this week, right? But could I look at that gap and say, hey, here's, here's one thing. Here's one thing I could do to close that gap a little bit or one thing I could not do to close that gap a little bit between the image I want to present and what I'm actually being and doing when I'm at home. Does that sound good? Y'all keeping up with all this? A lot of presents to give Jesus. He's worthy of them, isn't he? Amen. Amen. All right. You know, we got to get there sooner or later. I don't even know what word to put up there. I, I just go with reproductive parts. Is that fair enough? I, can we just leave it broad like that? I just, in church, I just, I don't even know what word that goes there. Uh, you know, I thought about, there's some real beautiful verses, Proverbs chapter 5, Song of Solomon, that really probably for some of us would cause a little discomfort, the parts it calls out, and how they can be and enjoyed and used. Very beautiful, because the scripture absolutely presents that side of this. But I didn't go to those verses today. No, you know, probably in light of a little bit of what I shared last week and just in light of where we are as a culture, I just think it's so clear right now that we're as clear as we've ever been because we're not very clear in the church. And that's a big part, big part of why what's going on out there is going on out there. I, I think too often today we're acting in church like, you know, God's not, we just really don't know what the Bible says about that. We don't know what he meant by that. 
And, you know, things change and words change. And, I, you know, we're acting like there's this tremendous confusion with God and the Bible on sex and sexuality. Folks, there's no confusion at all. 2020 America is the only place that's ever said there's a lot of confusion here. Most people open the Bible and think, oh, that seems uncomfortably clear. Look what God says in just one verse. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That's a big word. This is the will of God that you grow in holiness. That you grow, and that's what God wants. What does God want for me today? What does God want for me this Christmas? He wants you to grow in holiness. Says it right there. That's what he wants. Now, sanctification. The day of your salvation, that day you receive Christ, you go through what is called justification. You are declared by the courts of heaven as holy. That is an eternal declaration. Amen. That's a miracle right there, right? Everybody should be thinking, thank you, Jesus, right now, because I don't deserve to be declared holy. But on the day of my salvation, justification takes place, and I am declared holy. Sanctification is me starting to live in that declaration. Me trying to, it's like I'm a brand new baby, and I got an adult set of clothes, and now I got to grow into them. Sanctification is me growing up into what has been declared about me. Now, when you think about being holy, and there'd be a list of things that you would do, right? And there'd be a list of things that you would not do to be holy. But look how this passage hones in on one issue. And, and this is one passage. There's other passages going to take on other issues. But boy, does this dial in on one. You know why? Because 2,000 years ago, sexual immorality is an issue for everybody on the planet, as was 2,000 years before that, as is today. And should the Lord tarry, it will be an issue for growing in godliness, growing in holiness 2,000 years from now. Sexual immorality is always an issue. You are not, you will not grow in holiness when there is sexual immorality. You've got, you've got to abstain from that. And so that's where I've got to decide what's important to me. What am I pursuing? What's my target? What am I after? Because this is a battle. And, and you've got to have little victories, but little victories never mean the battle's over. It continues to go on. Do you know why we are where we are today in America? Because the church is profoundly comfortable with sexual immorality. Oh, not all of it. Oh, no, not what they're doing out there. But there's a whole lot of sexual immorality we're absolutely comfortable with. It goes on all around us. We're a part of it. It's a part of our families. And it, it, it doesn't even make us pray anymore. I mean, and so as the church travels down that road away from God, what, do you think the culture's behind us? No, they're going to be further out in front of us. We've literally pushed them further down the road because we're unclear and confused on what the Bible actually says. And yet it is very... Now, of course, we've got to define that word sexual immorality. Now, again, we say, well, you know, everybody's got an opinion and different churches say different things. Folks, the definition of a word is the definition of a word. There's no actual debate about that. The Greek word, you get a Greek, new, get a Greek uh, uh, dictionary and look it up, and it's, it's right there. It's not anything to debate about. 
Sexual immorality is any illicit thought or behavior outside of one man and one woman in marriage, period. Before marriage, we all dial in on that. We've got to teach our kids purity. After marriage, you know, folks, we, we get divorced or our, our spouse dies and, and there we are. I mean, we're not saving ourselves for anything anymore, are we? That's very natural thinking. No, it's sexual immorality after marriage still. And then all, all, all the other things, anything. It's, it's sexual immorality is not one act or one kind of thing. It is all behavior. It is all thought outside of one man and one woman in marriage. That is sexual immorality. It's very clear. There's nothing to debate or discuss. Well, Baptists believe this and Methodists believe this and atheists believe. You can't. There's nothing to believe or debate about the meaning of a word. That's what it is. If I'm going to grow in holiness, who would have thought my sex and sexuality is very much a part of that? Because sex and sexuality is always an issue. Look at this. We've been talking about the body for three weeks now. That each, uh, can we go back? Go back for, there we go. That each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. What's my goal with my body? To express myself, to feel pleasure. Those are real goals. But is my goal with my body holiness and honor? How would I know what holiness and honor looks like with my body? Well, the only thing I've got to figure that out is the Bible. And guess what? It's really kind of clear. Not a lot of confusion, not a lot of vagueness. It's real clear. Here's what I do and don't do with my body that will result in holiness and honor. There's also a way to handle my sex and sexuality that, that makes me look like a Gentile. Now, that's a phrase. We don't, we'd not use a phrase like that in our day. It, it, what that phrase means is like a pagan. There, there's a way of handling myself that looks like I'm in the passion of lust. I'm out of control. There's a way I can handle my sex and sexuality that basically says to everybody around me, I don't know God and I am completely out of control. And boy, that's where we are as a nation, isn't it? You know, I referred last week, and I'm not trying to harp on it, I'm sorry, but the Respect for Marriage Act, our president did sign that into law this Tuesday. The Respect for Marriage Act could better be called the Respect for Sexual Immorality Act. It is a respect, it is a provision, it is a protection, it is an advancement of anything and everything outside of one man and one woman in marriage. There's so much deceit in that bill. A big one, I should have mentioned this last week, a big one is interracial marriage. You know, they they put that in there. Do you know what this bill does for interracial marriage? Absolutely nothing. Not one thing. It doesn't protect. It doesn't promote. It doesn't advance. It doesn't clean house. It doesn't do anything to protect and care for that because nothing needs to be done. That's already been settled. There's no cases in the court. There's nothing happening legally, business, or any other way in and around interracial marriage. So why is it in that bill? So that the moment somebody disagrees, you can say racist. And once you call somebody a racist, they don't even get to finish their sentence. Discussion's over. You're, you're, you're a racist. Yeah, but race wasn't my issue here. I wanted to talk about this over. No, you're, you're, you're a racist. This bill does absolutely nothing for interracial marriage. By the way, folks, that's not new to the Respect for Marriage Act. A- almost all of our laws that have any kind of question mark in which somebody's going to be bothered by, they, they, put a, they put a little decoy in there. 
They, they put something to lead, to lead on the explanation of this law that everybody kind of is okay with so they can get approval. And then if, when you read down in the law, you find out, well, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't have anything to do with that at all. And, and that's what they've done here. Again, quoting the New York Times, it's a political stunt that became law. The, the, the New York Times, that is very much for this happening. Our president this past Tuesday brought out a, uh, you know, they, they invite different laws, different things happening. They'll invite people to come and, and be a part of that. He invited a drag queen to come and be his special guest at the signing of this. And uh, I don't know, it seems like pretty cool to be invited by the president to the White House. I don't, I don't know how many Americans get that. Seems like a big deal. And, uh, of course, what I, I, presidents, anybody, you know, if you're going to put somebody up front, what's everybody going to do? Go check out their social media. And this particular person that was put front and center as saying, this is what this law protects and promotes in his Twitter account had absolutely the most vulgar and disgusting statements about the purpose of children in his sexuality. It's unbelievable. It's like somebody maybe on Biden's council maybe should have vetted that a little bit. It's not going to be hard to see what he has said should be done to children. It's a, it's a respect for sexual immorality act. It, and, and the further we get that direction, the more important it is that we become clearer and clearer that the Bible is clear. That God is clear. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians here. The body's not meant for sexual immorality. Well, I mean, what's there to debate about that? What does what denomination or church I go to, what, what, what do you do with that? It just seems, how clear can God make it? How simple and straightforward can God make it? And when you step outside of one man and one woman in marriage, guess what? The body breaks down. That is a scientific fact. There's zero ability to debate it. You know, I've said this before. It's, it's one of the clearest things where science backs up the Bible. One man, one woman in marriage, a monogamous relationship their whole lives, have never in the history of humanity caught a sexually transmitted disease. Not one. Not one. But the moment I step outside of that and then a whole host of diseases and surgeries and repairs, sorry, become a part of the problem. Now, is that God zapping them because he's angry at them? Is that God bringing judgment? No, it's not. It's God saying, I I warned you, I told you, I made this. I designed it chemically, biologically, hormonally. I put the whole thing together and I know how it works. And if you use it in this way, you're going to break it. You know, I can go out to my car. It's got an owner's manual in the glove compartment. Tells me to put a certain kind of gas in it. Tells me to put a certain kind of oil in it. How rude. It's not their car, it's my car. I can do with my car whatever I want to do with my car. Who do they think they are? I've always thought GM was judgmental. I really have. Hey, I want to put milk in my gas tank. And I want to put orange juice in the oil reserve. I can do it. I I own it outright. I can do whatever I want with my car. You sure can. And you know what? GM or Toyota, or any, they'll let you do it. But guess what? It ain't going to work. You're going to break it. You're going to ruin it. God's given us instructions how this works. Step outside of that. That's not him zapping you with lightning. 
That's him saying, I told you it didn't work that way. And biology and science proves proves the Bible every single day. Boy, folks, what is a gift I can give to God on this? Hey, how about if I just said, hey, Lord, I want to start caring about the reality. There's a way. And, folks, just because you're not doing what they down there are doing doesn't mean you've yet grasped and seized what does it mean to handle this in holiness and honor. How do I handle my sex and sexuality with holiness and honor? I think we've gotten to where we are because we've got another body part we don't manage very well, and that, that's this right here, right? Now, again, this is one that, that we can talk about in several different ways. I like the way Philippians 3.19, their God is their belly. Now, I'm guessing more than one of us, perhaps 100% of us are going to say, I, I'm good on this one. I have never bowed at the altar of my belly. And I'm going to say, oh, yes, you have. of us have bowed at the altar of our belly. You want to know something shameful about you? You've encouraged people to treat their stomach as God. Somebody in here is saying, I've never done that. You ever ever ask somebody, hey, man, what's your gut tell you? This, that's truth. When you, when you can get down to that gut response, when you can get down to mm, what's deep in here, that's what's real. That's what you got to go with. Go with your gut. No, my gut is wrong sometimes, a lot of times. My gut flip-flops all over the place. You know, the Bible actually tells me don't rely on your own understanding But in all your ways, every decision, every opportunity, every failure, every success, every response, don't rely on your gut, but acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Man, hey God, would you help me this week? I really want to give to you a gift of trusting you as much as I trust my gut. I want to follow you. I want my next step to be in line with you more than what I'm feeling Way deep down in here. What are some, folks, there's some easy gifts in the list. <laughs> and, and there's a little bit harder gifts in the list. Aren't they all important? Aren't each one of them important? Again, let me go back to something I said a moment ago. Many of us in this room watching online right now, we've not only said it, we've said it more than once. I've given my life to Christ. My life, my body belongs to him. Does that ever lead you to thinking about what your body is to be doing and not doing? Because, boy, if we've walked through anything these three weeks, it's that, boy, God makes a lot of statements about our body. And I need to, I need to bring it down from this big statement up here. Oh, my life is Christ. Hey, what's that mean for my hands? What, what does that mean for my feet? What does that mean for my heart? I didn't mention anything about the mind. That's a big one. Many is heart, my ears. You know, you can go home, do this, this whole little study on your own. Just go home, make, make three body parts you want to give to, to Christ this week. Amen? Three body parts and then just Google. Bible verses that have the word ears in them. And guess what you're going to get? A whole bunch of Bible verses with words ear in them. And some of them you may go, oh, that one right there. I can use that one this week. My knees. Google it. See what you find. 
We're going to celebrate Christmas the next seven days. If I'm not thinking about having the same attitude as Christ with my body, what am I celebrating? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. There are some in here that seem kind of easy and kind of fun. And God, I want to ask for your help and your forgiveness on some of those that seem a little bit harder and a little bit more difficult, a little bit more challenging. God, I thank you for your mercy. The Bible tells me I I never drain that bucket dry. Every morning I wake up, you have all the mercy I need for that day. You are so merciful and you are so kind. God, may I use that mercy to change my priorities. I I, I want my body to speak holiness and honor. Not that I'm living life out of control and there is no God. Lord, guide each of us. Gosh, it is so, so important now, maybe as much as ever before, at least in our nation, in our culture, that we are clear about what a body is for, even in sex and sexuality. Lord, would you use my hands, my feet, my mouth, my ears. God, use it all this week to obey you, to love and serve others. And I pray as you open each of these gifts, you are, you are blessed. I love you, Lord. I love you, and I, I really do. I do. I really do want to give this to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.